0: sir we are on location today i am here at the jimmy it is the sooner summer family reunion and we have a great cause today we are supporting we are here for really one man today and his family and that is ryan minor the sooner's legend baseball and basketball that's who we're thinking about today uh ryan Miner. for those of you who don't know and if you're a sooner fan most assuredly you do know but ryan Uh, I think it's been about nine months ago, was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And that is a tough battle, even for a courageous, great athlete like Ryan Miner. That can can be very tough for not only Ryan to deal with, but we're thinking about his family as well. We are here today to support Ryan Miner and his family. I have tweeted out on my account, at Sports. Uh, just search Mike Steely at Steele on sports. I pinned that tweet at the top of my account, how you can get involved. Even if you're not here today, you can get involved and contribute to the uh, Minor Family GoFundMe account to help Ryan deal with his medical expenses. Ryan, of course, started Oklahoma in basketball and baseball. Uh, again, Big 8 basketball player of the year back in 19... Uh, 95 for Ryan Miner, drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers, ended up playing, of course, Major League Baseball. He, of course, is the answer to a famous trivia question, who replaced and who started for Cal Ripken Jr. when that long streak of consecutive games finally came to a close. It was Ryan Miner. Uh, We were just talking about we're bringing Porter Moser on here in about 60 seconds. How about the historical fact that it was Ryan Miner who replaced Cal Ripken Jr. and Baker Mayfield, Comes in as the next starter after Tom Brady. That's some Sooner trivia right there. Anyway, you guys know Ryan played for the Baltimore Orioles, was on that Sooner uh, national championship team for Larry Cochell back in 1994. We've got celebrities and former Sooners galore out here. Tommy Tubbs, Anthony Bowie, John Onches, Mike Anderson, who was a longtime assistant coach for Billy back in the day. Alex Brown, who's playing golf pretty much every day. Even when he was a trainer, Alex Brown, I think, played around every day. Uh, Ryan's brother Damon's out here. Ryan Spangler's out here. Nate Erdman. Kenny Gajewski is out here. Remember, he was part of the Sooner Turf team for a long time. Kenny is out here today. Uh, other members of Ryan's uh, national championship squad for the OU baseball team in 94, Russell Ortiz, Rich Hills, uh, Larry Cochell is out here. Skip Johnson is out here. And Porter Moser is out here.
1: And we welcome Porter in uh, right now. Porter, how are you, Mike? Great. Thanks for having me, man. What what an event! It's absolutely packed out here. And uh, for you know, before I joined the Sooner family, I knew of Ryan Miner. Yeah, He you know, just—it was hard not to. I mean, you just admired him. He's Big Twelve Player of the Year in basketball. And uh, and then now that I've been in the Sooner family for two years, the the stories of the kind of man he was and the person he was off the floor—it's everything you're about and yeah. uh, just great cause, and I, I hope people look to your Twitter page and other areas to get involved with this, yeah. but what an event, what a day.
0: Well, Ryan, again, is is battling uh, this as best he can. I mean, uh, that's that's a tough diagnosis for anybody to get, but if anybody can handle it, it's Ryan Miner. We want to help Ryan and his family again. Go to my Twitter page, at Steely Sports. It is pinned right there at the top, and you can donate to ryan and help out uh, ryan and his family i'm guessing uh in your career when ryan was uh, playing for billy and later for kelvin Sampson as well when kelvin uh got the job at oklahoma that you would have been uh, an assistant at a&m maybe I or was, milwaukee
1: i was it was uh i was an assistant at a&m uh and then when we went, entered the big 12 he was he was already done right but uh but, yeah, I was an assistant at A&M. Because we you played
0: for Tony Barone at Creighton, and then he went to A&M.
1: Correct. And when I got there, we were in the Southwest Conference. Right. And then we entered the Big 12 later, and I was still part of that staff and went the Big 12. But, yeah. uh, you know, you just you think about this, the transcendent athletes that can get drafted in both sports. You just don't see it yeah. right now because people specialize so much. Absolutely. And you just don't see them playing both. And, uh, for him to get drafted by the Oreos and drafted by the 76ers, it's just, it's just a phenomenal feat. And then to be the man you are and, you know, cancer affects everybody. And, uh, I've lost both my parents to cancer and, um, it's it's something that we can beat if we all band together. I'm part of Coaches versus Cancer. I know my predecessor Lon Kruger was heavily involved. And right. if, if we can, just like anything, we can find a way. We've got to band together and beat this. And to get a diagnosis with two kids like at, at and to find out like this severity this quick, um, it's it's such a blow. We got to all band together for someone who's meant so much to Sooner basketball and Sooner family. So uh, I'm honored to be a part of it and honored to be out out here and and seeing all the people that he meant a lot to.
0: Porter Moser with us here. We're at the uh, Sooner Summer Family Reunion at the Jimmy, the Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club. Mike Steely Parker Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, let's talk about your squad. Uh, Returnees coming back. You've got Otega Owe, Milo Suzanne, Sam Godwin, uh, people are curious about Luke Norweather, but all these newcomers, too. Javian McCollum, uh, John Hughley from Pitt. You've got Rivaldo Soares from Oregon, Latre Darthard from uh, Utah Valley, and Jalen Moore from Georgia Tech. Did I cover everybody? <laughs> Did that get everybody? <laughs> it was a mouthful. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately,
1: I, I, I'm, this is, seems like it's the trend right now with. Uh, with the right now at the transfer portal and and the COVID year, and I just I hope you know after this period we have one more signing period with COVID. And what that is to the people that don't know is is the the cycle of COVID is the people that were granted an extra year that were involved with COVID. So the the kids that are going to be seniors next year are the last years they have a fifth year. So that becomes the pool becomes so much bigger. And it hurts high school players because we're starting to take less high school players because there's so many good kids in the portal. And uh, so I think we took a good blend of guys that had multiple years in the portal and some guys that had one year that were older. Um, you know, I think, I think. but everything starts with your culture in terms of guys that have been in the program keeping them. And two freshmen, they were both ESPN Top 100 freshmen, we kind of really invested in, and I was starting them both um, by the end of the year, uh, Milo Suzan and Otega Uwe, and we were able to retain both those because retention is more important than anything right now because of transferring so accessible. You can transfer with no penalty, and then the NIL, and you get people. So you know, I thought Miloš was on the All-Big 12 team. He's uh, He really averaged 9.5 as a true freshman in the number one conference in the country, can really pass. He's gotten a lot stronger. He's up to 194 as of yesterday um Otega is is also another one that really was coming on strong at 18 at Kansas State down the stretch and um he averaged like seven or eight when he started when I started in the last 10 games so I'm really excited about those two young guys um I think with somebody that we redshirted Luke Norweather and Mike that is rare now is to redshirt guys because nobody yeah. wants to redshirt right and he was a young guy that we just thought he was 6'11 um, he's skilled and I go we just his family and he, he redshirted and. I'm excited. No one really talks about him, but in practice, he's doing some things that we're excited. He's probably one of our best shooters at 6'11". Um, and uh, I'm messing around with him playing him at the four, um, going big and uh, doing some different things with him. But uh, I think he's a guy that fans are going to get to know. And um, But he is, getting, true, going to be a freshman.
0: Let's talk about, you know, being a head coach in this day and age of college basketball. I, I don't care who you are, if you manage a, a food team. Uh, fast food restaurant or something, if if your employees are turning over every couple, hey, here's your brand-new squad here, you know, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, when I was growing up watching college basketball, I could recite 76 Indiana, this starting lineup, and a lot of those guys were coming back. Uh, you know, when we were watching uh, the Big East and its heyday with Pearl Washington and Patrick Ewing and Walter Berry and Chris Mullen at St. John's, you knew those guys were coming back. They were going to be there three years or so at least. Uh, Jordan was three years at North Carolina before he left. This day and age, not only do you get into the toughest conference in college basketball right now, you're dealing with the transfer portal and NIL, and at the same time, you're trying
1: to build a culture. I mean, that is not an easy task. So, Mike, I, I, every time in the last couple of years I've been asked stuff like that, I got to resort to my foundation and my parents of being grateful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i because I, I, you can, It's so easy to just start complaining. Um, so what I'm grateful for is I love our I love the profession of coaching. I still think it's the greatest thing to impact young people. What I'm just concerned about is the business of the profession, you know, it, it, of of some of the things that the NCA's has done and making this transfers and the NIL all at once. And um, that's what I'm that's what I'm concerned about. But you got to have a foundation of being grateful and and have your why be your why. And why I got into it is to is to bring people along like. Develop men and then win and then win. And uh, with all this happening at once, you're trying to build your culture. I, you know, like for instance, a Ryan Miner, a Hollis Price, an Edward Nahara, um, a Kay Davis, a Timmy Heskin, guys that have been in the program that the fan bases love because they get to, now with the, you know, how transient it is, guys coming and going, fan bases don't get to really follow a journey and get attached to players. And I still am just resolute on just trying to maintain that culture of of having a a team of character that that can win um but you got to retain them we got to that's through nil that's through you know making their their what it is and um so that's that's the part that you you got to focus in on and and you can there there's so much to complain about but i think you got to be first of all grateful you're coaching young men but we've got to figure it out the business side of what's going on with college basketball is the
0: nil workable long term uh, i mean it's here to stay obviously in some way
1: shape or form it looks like yeah. but uh how challenging is that for your program right now it's you know it's been an effect since i got here and we really have been behind um and uh this is the first recruiting period that really had any nil and so Having two years of it, you know, not having it has been tough. And, uh, but I think we're moving in the right direction. I think, uh, everybody here, I think people are starting to realize that we can, that it's, it's here. What I hope to do is, is, or not I, but I, what I hope that happens is that we figure out a solution. It's just not sustainable the way it's going. You're going to get, you know, it's, there's no cap, there's no limits. But so here's what, you know, what the professionals do is they have a, um, uh, a ceiling, a salary cap. And uh, that's the thing that you, we've got to get to. We need help with the federal government to do that. It's going to be, I think, in a couple of years, the institutions are going to be responsible instead of donors. And uh, so I, I, think the, I think the world's going to change. I just think, it's, I think they realize that change needs to happen. It's just how long is it going to take. We need some help because the NCAA, just this, this, they just unravel this thing with no thought and uh, we need some help to come in and structure this thing.
0: Porter Moser with us for another couple minutes, and uh, let's talk about the arena. You're also in a more challenging period. I don't care if you're Kentucky, North Carolina, you know, throw out all the blue bloods. You are dealing with now so many entertainment options for people who can also sit in their own living room with a big screen TV and watch just about any game they want to right, and you're trying to get fans to the LNC, which has always been an issue, even when Billy in his heyday, there were a few games when I was there like, man, where where is everybody? Uh, and look, a lot of times they were sold out too, but it was a different era. Uh, so let's address that. Where are you on the arena? How important is it? Should it be on campus? Would it be better out closer to I-35 over on the uh, the north side of Norman? What are you thinking right now? no.
1: First part is how important it is. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. You you have to create a home court atmosphere to where it's hard to play in. And the Big Twelve, almost everybody has it right now. I mean you go to Iowa State, I'm playing in front of seventeen thousand. It's it's an advantage to get two or three more wins. You get two or three more wins our last two years we're in the tournament. Yeah. And uh so we have to continue to do our part, put a product out there. But, but student-athletes, look at that, your atmospheres. You bring them to a game on a recruiting visit. You know, they want to see it. It's like football. They brought them into the palace, and the palace was half full. You know, it just doesn't seem, you know, you, you want to do that. But also, we got to do our part with this arena. You know, I, I don't think people want to, you know, get on the Stairmaster for 20 minutes to go to the bathroom. You know, I, I think there's there's some things that, you know, we've got to make it that thing. and that there, There's where the new arena comes in. You know, I, I I joked with somebody. I think Alvin Adams playing in it in the LNC. <laughs> um, so he built it and Wayman <laughs> filled it. <laughs> and uh, so I think we we have to. It's part of recruiting. It's part of the winning competitive edge. I'm. I mean, I'm. You know, I'm, you've heard the story. I'm going out to every sorority fraternity. I'm doing what I can control, but it's still it's it's such a big thing to to do that and to fill it. We we have to do and we have to do our part too because I get it winning breeds fans so i get that i'm not that guy to be naive but it's like what comes first the chicken or the egg and uh we're, we're i'm trying to really control what i can control on both ends but arena is absolutely it has to happen if we want basketball
0: to go yeah porter we appreciate you dropping by thanks for supporting today we knew you'd be out here and uh I just appreciate you dropping by for a quick chat. Thank uh, you. I
1: appreciate you guys and Mike I do, and uh, just uh, anybody, please get involved. Whatever it is, if it's this uh, event or cause, because we can do this, man. We we can we can beat cancer if we all get together and uh, let's keep Ryan Miner and his family in our prayers. Thanks, Porter. Porter are joining
0: us, dropping by. Thanks to our man. Uh, look at the owner. The owner set up the equipment today and uh, went out and got Porter as well for us. So. Brian Vineyard, thank you very much. Parker Thute is here, ladies and gentlemen. He's back in studio. We are ready to talk sooner recruiting when we get back as well. We're brought to you in this first hour by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Great sooner, great company. They'll do great work. You need that AC tuned up. They'll do it for you. 405-579-3113. Let's talk about this Taylor Tatum deal. Let's do that with Parker when we get back right here on the ref. Here at the Jimmy, the Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club, Mike Steely along with Parker Thune here on uh, Steelman and Thune at noon, home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Uh, appreciate Porter Moser uh, dropping by. Parker Thune, how are you doing back there in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio?
2: Well, Steely, I just had a sneezing attack in the commercial break, so hopefully it's not one of those days. But other than that, I'm doing pretty well on a Tuesday. Wish I were out playing golf. But hey, this studio is not the worst place to be since the remodel.
0: That's right. Yeah, the brand-new uh, Buffalo Wild Wings uh, studios. Uh, looking good. Looking absolutely good. And uh, despite all the rain and the craziness we had overnight, early into the morning, man, we have had so much rain. This place, the Jimmy, looks great. Green is, looks just uh, spectacular. It is a far cry from the course I played uh, growing up when I was out here picking up the range for Robert O. and Doug Breck and all the uh, people out here at uh, the golf course here at OU. Uh, really didn't have an irrigation system to speak of, which is a problem for a golf course, but this course now, and I know if you've been out here and you, you've been to the Jimmy recently, you know what it's all about. The facilities are top-notch. Ryan Hibble's done a great job of the golf squad out here at OU. Obviously, has a national title on his resume and uh, one of the powerhouse programs in college golf. But it looks good. It drained well, and uh, They are starting out with the uh, shotgun start here in about five minutes. So thanks to Porter for dropping by. I did go over a few minutes. That happens when you get a big guest on, but we're going to try and stay on the clock the rest of the way. All right, we have a date now. It's down to the Sooners and Mule Shoe for Taylor Tatum on July 21st, which I believe will be a week from this Friday. So, Sooner fans, are you you ready to say they still should
2: feel – comfortable about this that they're going to get taylor tatum yeah you should feel comfortable about it if you're an ou fan steely because every single prediction across the industry right now favors ou in the race for taylor tatum and ou has really had the upper hand over the trojans since that official visit but one way or another like we know now because it's down to these two teams it's going to be one of the most triumphant days of the year next friday Or it's going to be like the gift from community where Donald Glover walks into the room with a stack of pizza boxes and everything's on fire.
0: (laughs) Yeah, everybody seems to think he's headed to Oklahoma. We'll find out again July 21st, number number one running back uh, in the country down to Oklahoma and USC, and it looks like the Sooners are going to win that battle. Now, again, what we have commitment-wise, Casey Poe tomorrow night, the offensive lineman looking like Alabama there, correct?
2: It is looking like Alabama for Casey Poe, yes.
0: Jaden Johnson, is Thursday, is
2: Is that a, a Texas lead there yeah not getting the sense right now that Jaden Jackson is going to end up in the OU class we'll see if that decision is revisited down the line because you know we've talked about it David Stone and Jaden Jackson are tight so if and when you get David Stone committed maybe take another you you, maybe circle back around with a guy like Jaden Jackson and say hey are you sure Oklahoma's not where you want to be but no with the decision coming on Thursday I don't anticipate at least right now that it's going to be Oklahoma for Jaden Jackson
0: Yeah, I I said Jaden Johnson. It is Jaden Jackson. I'm an idiot. Uh, July 18th, Zion Raggins, the wide receiver. Sooners feeling good about that one. Uh, Again, uh, Taylor Tatum, the uh, big-time running back. Uh, July 21st, Oklahoma looks to be in pretty good shape there to beat out USC. Michael Patterson-McDonald, the defensive back, Uh, July 31st. Obviously, the Sooners uh, appear to be in good shape there, too.
2: Yes, without question. I like him for Zion Raggins. I like him for Michael Patterson-McDonald. I think those are two commits right now that you can safely pencil in for the month of July for Oklahoma. Now the question becomes, in addition to Raggins and Patterson-McDonald and potentially Taylor Tatum, can you get David Stone on the board? Or can you snag a couple 2025 commits at the end of the month potentially? I think there's a lot that could come across the wire and a lot that, you know, there are many opportunities, especially at the party at the Palace later this month, for Oklahoma to get on the board, both in the 2024 class and the 2025 class. So it comes down to how quickly you can get some of these guys to make their decision and lock it in with OU.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, again, if you look at if they are able to add Zion Raggins, Taylor Tatum, Mike L. Patterson-McDonald, Obviously, those are huge. And then
2: winnery early August? Yeah, August 1st is the date that's been thrown out What are out we there, thinking? Like, I, look, I've never wavered since March. I believe it's Oklahoma. I believe Oklahoma is what the decision will be on August 1st for Williams and Wynary. And that's just... I, you, I, I, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. You'd be hard pressed to convince me that there's ever been a time since his most recent unofficial visit to Oklahoma in March that the Sooners have trailed anybody in this race.
0: Well, and again, if you uh, if you add those names we're talking about uh, Taylor Tatum and Waneri, and then you throw in the mix Zion Raggins, and you throw uh, Michael Patterson McDonald in there, all of a sudden that's got to put the uh, the Sooners up in the top ten. Uh, and then the question is, how high can they go from there? If you add a David Stone, if you add a Nigel Smith or a Dominic McKinley or Danny Okoye or Grant Briggs, Caden Durham, Zena Omazulu, uh, all of those guys. I mean, basically what you're looking at is getting in to that, that top tier because what, what would you think, what would you guess if you get Tatum, Winery, uh, Zion Raggins and Mike Hill Patterson, McDonald, uh, and that all happens by August 1st. Where would you project Oklahoma would be in the, uh, in the team rankings uh, at that point?
2: You are very, very comfortably in the top 10 at this point. If you get stone, I think that probably vaults you into the top five. And i just, I haven't, I haven't crunched the numbers, I'm just gauging based off what those guys are ranked right now and where that would probably leave Oklahoma, in my estimation, mindful of the fact that there will be other schools that add commits in the month of July as well. But, look, you get Tatum, you get in one area, you get Stone. You are very well positioned for a top-five class in the 2024 cycle. And then the focus becomes Dominic McKinley. If there's a way you can swing Dominic McKinley, and he's not making his decision until January at the Under Armour All-American game, if you can swing Dominic McKinley, that's probably a top three class, Steely.
0: Yeah, and again, uh, for suitor fans, I know that Brent's recruiting philosophy, you know, Tom Petty, waiting is the hardest part in this situation, but it also appears like when they get a commitment, you know, for the most part, it sticks. Now, you can throw exceptions out from a year ago, Ashton Cozart, uh, obviously, and that was more Ashton Cozart's doing. Uh, he tested that system, took a trip to Oregon, and guess what? He wasn't on the Sooners' list anymore. Then you had, obviously, um, um, Colton Vosick, uh, which was a strange situation with the uh, lineage there, his family at the University of Texas, and Anthony Evans uh, with the family uh, in Georgia. And uh, those situations didn't work out. But for the most part, you know, when guys get committed to Oklahoma, they, they pretty much stick. So. Some big things could be happening, no doubt, for Oklahoma on the recruiting front, particularly by August 1st. All right, I'm here at the Sooner Summer Family Reunion. Ryan Miners, who we're thinking about today, uh, the benefit uh, golf tournament happening here at the Jimmy. All proceeds benefiting Ryan Miners' medical fund. Ryan was recently diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, battling that. Medical bills pile up quickly obviously, but uh, we want to help Ryan Miner and his family out as much as we can. At the top of my Twitter page, I have pinned the tweet how you can donate to their GoFundMe account and help out with some medical bills for Ryan and his family uh, at Steely on Sports. If you don't follow me, please go do that. And if you can make a donation, we would certainly appreciate that very much. All right, break time right here, coming right back. Let's go to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405. 651 3439. We will do that when we get back right here on the home of Sooner fans, The Ref. Welcome back, Mike Steele, along with Parker Thune, here on this Tuesday edition of Steel Man and Thune at noon, here in the home of Sooner fans, The Ref Radio Network, here at the Jimmy for the Sooner Summer Family Reunion, benefiting Ryan Miner. Uh, that's who we're thinking about today, Ryan. Uh, not long ago, diagnosed with stage four cancer, they're fighting it as best they can. The bills start piling up. Even if you're Ryan Miner and you played professional sports during your career, you guys know what the healthcare system is like, man. It's tough. Uh, you get sick, and uh, you maybe you don't have the best insurance, or even if you have insurance, at times it is very costly. So all the proceeds today benefiting. Ryan Miner's Medical Fund, great Sooner, great family. Damon's out here, got a lot of his former baseball teammates, Russ Ortiz, Rich Hills, Larry Koshell, his old coach of that 94 championship team's out here. Skip Johnson's out here, former basketball teammates as well. Uh, members of the Sooner Basketball program, Tommy Tubbs, Anthony Bowie, John Anches, Mike Anderson, Billy's longtime assistant. I hope I get to see Mike today. I haven't seen Mike in ages. Alex Brown. Uh, Ryan Spangler is out here, Nate Erdman, Kenny Gaieski You guys know that uh, Kenny Gaieski has some sooner roots, obviously, and he is out here supporting this cause today. So good for Kenny Gajewski. Uh, great to uh, have so many great people out here today helping out. At the top of my Twitter page, at Steely on Sports, you will find a way to help out Ryan and his family with their GoFundMe site. Uh, It's very easy, and again, the link is right there at the top of my Twitter page. By the way, Riverwind Casino, last week we had a big-time show. Last Saturday night, they beat the weather. They had an incredible show from Mark Chestnut, Shannon Doa, and Tracy Bird. And uh, not only was there some great music and all those great local food trucks out there, and the kids were having a great time because they have all kinds of activities for the kids, but they had the amazing fireworks display as well, we have one more Beats and Bites show coming up at Riverwind. That will be August 26th. Gary Allen will be on the Beats and Bite stage, the Coop Works Beats and Bites stage. But there's other news also concerning the Showplace Theater. Four new dates were added. And, again, uh, we found out yesterday morning, Monday morning, Joe Nichols and Tyler Farr, September 22nd. We have Flatland Country at the Showplace Theater November 10th. In December, on December 15th, Lee Bryce on the Showplace Theater stage and Boys to Men will be there January 12th at the Showplace Theater. You can get your tickets to all of these shows. Remember the Beats and Byte shows, they are only 10 bucks a piece and kids under 12 get in free. Find your tickets for the Beats and Byte show with Gary Allen August 26th and all those shows uh, at the Showplace Theater online and get your tickets at riverwind.com or if you're out at the casino just Drop by the Showplace Theater box office there at Riverwind. 405-651-3439. Let's get to the uh, Meyer Chevrolet text line.
2: To the text line we go. Boomer Brady wants to know TCU went from 5-7 to a 12-0 regular season with just a 21% blue chip ratio. OU has a 70% blue chip ratio heading into the upcoming season. Does Oklahoma have the talent and coaching staff to turn things around like TCU did last year. And before you answer that question, Steeler, before you weigh in, I just want to explain for those that might not be familiar with the metric, the blue chip ratio essentially measures what percentage of your roster is comprised of former four- and five-star recruits. So, any recruit that has either four or five stars is colloquially referred to as a blue chipper. Obviously, that excludes three stars and anything lower. So, A blue-chip ratio over 50% means you have more 4- and 5-star players than 3-stars or below on your roster. And generally, to win a national championship, the reasonable threshold is somewhere around two-thirds. So 66 67% needs to be your blue-chip ratio. Historically, if you want to win a national title, Oklahoma, as per Boomer Brady on the text line, has a 70% blue chip ratio heading into the year 2023, which is one of the highest in the country. All right. Could they
0: do it? Yes, they could because of the schedule Uh, again. But a lot of times, even the very best teams out there, you know, they throw a clunker or two out there and they have to fight for a victory. So do I think they will do it? No. Could they do it? Yes. You're going to have to up uh, you know, play a lot better football clearly than you did a year ago. Uh, we're going to play the Greg McElroy clip. Some of you may have heard it earlier today on the Plank Show and with Tyler yesterday, but he says he thinks the Sooners will start fast and finish slow because of their depth, but their depth is a lot better than a year ago. So, But, again, I think Oklahoma's going to go 10-2, and two, but they very well, you know, if Texas does Texas things and the Sooners have – Dylan Gabriel healthy. That could be a lot different situation in the Cotton Bowl, uh, you know, in October. You know what I think the most slept on game is for Oklahoma on this schedule in terms of a game that could be tough for Oklahoma? That would be the Kansas game on the road. Now, again, Kansas. Kansas. But we know that Lance Leipold can coach, and we know that quarterback can make a lot of plays. They have 10 starters back on the offensive side of the ball. And, again, the Sooners lit up that defense a year ago. Um, And I believe that Oklahoma should be able to go there and win the game. But that is one, one game maybe that could be a stumbling block if you don't go there and play well. What do you think?
2: No, I agree with you. And look, I'm a big fan of Leipold and the staff and the core talent that he has assembled at Kansas. I think that's absolutely a program that's headed in the right direction and that should be a bowl team once again in 2023. Jalen Daniels is your first-team All Big 12 quarterback, which says a lot about the public perception of yeah Jaylen and Daniels. the
0: offensive player of the year in the league too.
2: Yeah, people understand Jalen Daniels can play some football. Like, let's not get it twisted. He's a very good quarterback. And, in fact, the backup quarterback at Kansas, Jason Bean, he gave Oklahoma some problems the last Mm -hmm. time they were up there in 2021. So Kansas is actually too deep with quarterbacks that Sooner fans are not going to be eager to see on a Saturday afternoon in Lawrence. Now, that said, I I don't know that Kansas is at the point yet where the talent everywhere else – is good enough that they can compete week in and week out with programs like Oklahoma and Kansas State and, heck, even Texas. I know they beat them in 2021, but there's an upper echelon right now in the Big 12. Even though it's hard to project who wins the conference, there is an upper echelon, and I think Kansas is still kind of on the outskirts of that upper echelon, which is to say that they'll probably win a game or two in 2023 that they are not favored to win but in all likelihood they're going to take three or four on the chin in the regular season and those will come at the hands of teams that just have more talent all around than they do even though the quarterback play is undeniably superb at the University of Kansas which is it, it, it it feels weird to be saying that doesn't it The strength at the University of Kansas right now is the quarterback play. Who figured we'd be saying those words in the year of our Lord 2023?
0: Well, and you look at this schedule because of the coach and the quarterback, Leipold and Daniels, you can make an argument that is going to be the toughest road game for Oklahoma. I mean, your other road games are what? You've got Tulsa, you go to Cincinnati, you go to Lawrence, you go to Stillwater, and you go to Provo. Uh, You know, I'm not saying that's – easily the one you go to and say that's the toughest, but it's certainly in the conversation. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Mike Gundy usually coaches him up pretty well, particularly when they're not uh, that highly thought of. And but what's Alan Bowman going to look like? What will the quarterback situation end up like? Uh, BYU, the Sooners all-time are 0-2 against BYU. That'll be a tough game in Provo. And, look, anytime Oklahoma comes to your place, I don't care what they did last year record-wise – that fan base is going to be fired up to get a victory against Oklahoma. But arguably, KU could be the most difficult road game on that schedule for OU. Now, again, you go to Provo, going to have, probably be in a packed house there, still water for Bedlam. But in terms of the quarterback and the coach, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a tough duo with uh, Leipold and Daniels at KU. All right, let's break right here. Nothing but your texts in the next segment. I'm here at the Jimmy, the Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club Sooner Summer Family Reunion. Today we're supporting Ryan Miner and his family. Ryan, not long ago diagnosed with stage four cancer. Ryan and his family need your help. I have a GoFundMe link right at the top of my Twitter page. If you can help, please do. We would appreciate it very much. Coming right back here on The Ref. Back with you at the Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club today. And uh, we are here thinking about Ryan Miner and his family, all the proceeds from uh, today's Sooner Summer family reunion. Golf tournament out here benefiting uh, Ryan Miner's medical fund. Again, I have a, a pin tweet at the top of my uh, Twitter account. If you want to donate, help uh, Ryan Miner and his family fight uh, stage four cancer. Well, please do. If you can afford to, please do. And uh, we would appreciate that very much. 405 651 3439 is the Knippe Chevrolet text line. Mike Steely with Parker Thune. Let's get back to as many texts as we can before we close out this
2: first hour. Okay, from Sooner287. Steely, do you have seat warmers in your car? I do
0: not have seat warmers. Uh, warmers or warmers in my car i could probably use a warmer more than a warmer but do i i mean do i have yeah i guess i do actually i guess i do yeah the digital ones right yeah i do what's the punchline
2: i i i I was kind of hoping you would know i didn't know if it was maybe like an old movie reference that was over my head but it was just a very out of nowhere steely do you have seat warmers in your car
0: that that one went flying right over my head so there's probably a punchline i should know but i don't from the probably 40- an old joke
2: yeah from the 405 here what's the state of the union on our offensive line should we see improvement this year you know what's interesting like people talk a lot about it, it seems like people talk a lot about how the offensive line needs to improve i saw a graphic circulating on twitter yesterday with a metric uh that i I don't know what the official name of the metric is, but basically it measures rushing yards before contact. Oklahoma last season was 4th in the entire country in rushing yards before contact. So, see like if you're if you're putting two and two together, 4th in the country in rushing yards per con, er, before contact means your offensive line's doing a heck of a job creating a push up front.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and, uh, you know, they ran the ball very effectively in the Cheez-It Bowl, also against Florida State, and that's a good defensive line uh, that that they pushed around a little bit, and they didn't have a lot of the front-line guys there, clearly. Now, you've got to replace your starting two tackles when you talk about Anton Harrison, and, um, um, oh, my gosh, Tennessee transfer. Juanye Morris. Juanye Morris, yes. But you've got – Tyler Guyton has a chance to be special, and I think Walter Rouse has that same kind of potential. Now let's see what happens with the guard spots. Andrew Rame's got to stay healthy. Uh, You're looking at, what, Mattire, Schaefer, and uh, Savion Bird probably. Uh, Some sort of rotation there. A lot of people think, um, you know, that, uh, again, both those tackles have a lot of potential. Uh but we gotta see it happen. But I, I think they're gonna be pretty good on the offensive line. I'm not saying they're gonna be great, but I think they'll be good enough on the offensive line. What do you think?
2: I'm still like I'm still halfway distracted by the question about seat warmers in your car, and I was wondering what the second half of that question was gonna I just it completely threw me off my game, Steely. But uh no, as far as the offensive line goes, I'm very much of the opinion and I've I've voiced this, right? I think Oklahoma's offensive line takes a lot of unnecessary flack, and Bill Biedenboe takes a lot of unnecessary flack, and I'm really not sure why. It's almost as if when they won the Joe Moore Award in 2018, that became the new status quo in the minds of a lot of fans. Well, if you don't have the best offensive line in the country every single year, I don't know what we're doing at Oklahoma. But as long as – like, if you want to go down the list of units on this football team that have been an obvious liability – for Oklahoma over the last five years or have been solidly or even substantially below average, the offensive line might be the last group you come around to, if we're being completely honest, because Oklahoma has had ups and downs in every single position group. They've never struggled along the offensive. Now, there have been times where penalties have maybe been a little bit more of an issue than they should, and I think I think most specifically the 2021, I think it was it 2020 or 2021 where they got slapped with a lot of holding penalties. But regardless, they've never struggled to run the football. They've never struggled to create a push up front. They've never struggled to win the battle in the trenches at the point of attack. And so, yeah, I'll bet you there will be improvement. But if there isn't any improvement, guess what? I am of the opinion, and again, if you look at the analytics, if you look at the metrics, I think Oklahoma's offensive line is plenty good enough right now for the Sooners to be a double-digit win football team.
0: Yeah, I, am I uh, concerned with the offensive line recruiting right now? Yes, for this uh, this class. Really? The answer to that would be, yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, – who knows what's going to happen. I mean, they're going to um, – You're looking at Casey Poe going to Bama, right, you think, tomorrow. But, you know, in the end, uh, they'll wind up. I see they've made some other offers, local kids involved. But in terms of uh, this offensive line, you know, not being – just not being up to to par, I think they'll be all right. Like I said, I'm not saying this is going to be a dominant, great offensive line, but I think they'll be good enough. And, uh, as you said, I don't think when I look at areas of concern – now, if you stack it up, again, for the SEC, you've still got to upgrade. Uh, you've got to be able to go get, you know, some of the, uh, the highest recruited offensive uh, linemen in the country, too, just like you do the D linemen. But I, I still think they'll be good enough. I really do. Unless Rouse is a big disappointment and Guyton's a big disappointment. But I don't think, uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. All right, here at the Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club, Sooner Summer Family Reunion today, and it's Ryan Miner and his family, again, that we're thinking about today. Uh, Sooner fam, I know you guys probably know, if you don't by now, Ryan Miner not too long ago was diagnosed with with stage 4 colon cancer. And um, we're trying to raise as much money as we can to help him battle Uh, stage 4 colon cancer, and that is about as difficult as an opponent as you're going to have. I have pinned at the top of my Twitter page a place where you can help out. The GoFundMe link is right there. Please help if you can. We've got another hour to go from the Jimmy right here on The Ref. One man here at the Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club. The other man in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. How we doing on this Tuesday? Mike Steele out here at the Jimmy, uh, the Sooner Summer Family Reunion, supporting Ryan Miner. And uh, we're trying to help Ryan and his family uh, battle stage four cancer that uh, Ryan was diagnosed with a while back. And, again, I have at the top of my Twitter page, uh, at Steely on Sports, a pin tweet, where you can help out. If you want to contribute to the GoFundMe account to help out Ryan Miner and his family, legendary Sooner, please help if you can. And, again, uh, we would appreciate that very much. Okay. Uh, by the way, I am looking out at man, I know we had some storms overnight, you know, this morning, some, you know, some damage in the Oklahoma City area. Uh, the course out here looks spectacular. Of course, we had a lot of rain, but they do a great job. The grounds crew out here, Cody Elwood, everybody else out here. My man Kenny, I saw Kenny. Uh, doing a great job. He may be listening to us right now, out there roaming around, but uh, it looks spectacular, and I can see the views clearly, beautifully, because they're all in focus because I know the man, Dr. Bellardo. How many famous doctors are there? Well, there are a few. Dr. J would probably be my number one, but Dr. Bellardo's right there. I mean, Dr. J was a great surgeon, too. He could slide through those defense, slam dunk on anybody. Dr. Bellardo can give you better vision, whether you're farsighted or nearsighted. It's a slam dunk at the Advanced Laser Center and uh, Cataract Center of Oklahoma. They'll do a great job for you. You can get a free consultation from Dr. B uh, and his staff. All you have to do is call 405-755-7700. Get a free consultation from the team there at the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Or you can go online at ALCOK.com. They have been the absolute best the leaders in the field of vision correction. They helped me out a bunch, man. It all started uh, about 20 years ago, and they've been the leaders in that field at the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center for years and years and years. Dr. B and his team are the very best. Uh, Like they always say, if you want to see far, you want to see near, you have to come here. To the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. 405 755 7700 online at ALCOK.com. Greg, are you a bigger fan of Greg McElroy or Rory McElroy?
2: I would, I mean, Greg had his day. I would say Rory, especially taking the anti live stance that he did, probably won me over in the Battle of McElroy's. Greg is just kind of, to borrow a word from your vocabulary, Steely, McElroy's kind of a mid-commentator.
0: Yes, I'm up on all the latest sayings. No doubt about it. I'm super hip. Almost 60 and still super hip. Not really. All right, by the way, I'm watching the Golf Channel in here. We've got these congressional uh, hearings today uh, concerning golf. It's going to be a total dog and pony show, as it always is. But it could be very interesting. could be very interesting. Anyway, Greg McElroy, some of you guys – May have heard the clip already. He's on with Cole Kubelik, of course, on that show that they do. And uh, I, I think he does all right, Greg McElroy, And there's nothing, you know, he's not Mr. Inflammatory like Colin Cowherd or Skip Bayless. But here's what he said about the Sooners and uh, what the Oklahoma season could look like this fall. He said that he thinks, oh, you could start fast
2: and finish slow. I look at Oklahoma's schedule, and I think it's definitely a very – manageable schedule. I believe that, but is there depth where they need to be to get back to within striking distance of the big 12 championship game? I'm not sure of that. I think they'll drop a few that they shouldn't. And as a result, they will be a team that's probably sitting in the top 10 through four or five weeks, but ultimately might be lucky to finish in the top 25 top 20 at the very best. So I think the team that starts fast, Oklahoma might not finish quite as strong when the game goes along, but give it time, Oklahoma fans. I have faith. I have belief.
0: And that is our Ortho Central clip of the day, brought to you by the good folks at Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a brand new Tri City location uh, that opened up recently serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. They do the very best job treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. What do you make of uh, Greg McElroy's assertion there that the Sooners, yeah, they'll. They'll come out strong, be a top-ten team, and then they'll fade down the stretch.
2: I, I think the schedule is certainly easy up front when you look at the first five games, and then it gets a little bit more difficult to navigate. So I certainly see where he's coming from. You start off with Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati, and Iowa State. Those ought to be five wins, Steely. Oklahoma ought to cruise into the Red River Showdown at 5-0. and That ought to happen. However, in the aftermath of that Texas game, and really starting with that Texas game, and you know we point to the Texas game year after year as the game that's going to dictate the trajectory of the remainder of Oklahoma's season, and I think this coming fall is no exception. Depending on what happens in the Texas game, I think that is going to kind of set the barometer for how we're feeling about Oklahoma's chances to go to Lawrence and win, to win at home against UCF. Like, again, the vast majority of games on this schedule overall are games that Oklahoma should win. The only game in which they wouldn't be favored right now, if you had to set a line on July 11th, probably the only game in which they wouldn't be favored is Texas. But how different are we feeling halfway into the season than how we feel right now judging these teams on paper before a single snap of football has been played? So, yes, I see where Greg McElroy is coming from. I think there is some validity to what he's saying. And objectively, the back half of Oklahoma's schedule is going to be much more difficult to navigate than the front half. So it's not the most out-there, outlandish take I've ever heard.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that because you look at the second half. After Texas, the Sooners have a, they have an off week after Texas. And then they come back to Norman to play UCF. Should be a victory, but among... The four teams, the four newbies coming into the conference, the four noobs, UCF appears to be the best of those four. Then again, you got a potential stumbling block at Kansas. Oklahoma State, I mean, the Sooners have a better roster. But, again, you're going to Stillwater. Then you have West Virginia at home, and that will be, you know, Neil Brown's uh, retirement tour. Uh, The Sooners should win that game. Then you go to BYU, and again, Oklahoma's much better talent-wise, than BYU is. But you're going to Provo. The Sooners have a bad history against BYU. Copper Bowl loss and that loss at Jerry World when Sam Bradford separated his shoulder. And then you have that interesting Friday matchup with TCU. And we don't know. You know, is was that, I don't know if I want to say a one-year wonder because, you know, Gary Patterson's had some squads at TCU and they played pretty solid football for a while. But is TCU going to be... And they lost a lot of guys to the NFL. And uh, Chandler Morris, I know in that game against Baylor, when he came in and played, uh, you know, the year before last, he looked spectacular. But uh, we'll see. What's your thought on TCU heading into the season?
2: I I look at TCU, and I've made this comparison before, but I look at TCU as college football's modern-day incarnation of the 2015 Carolina Panthers. They had an amazing season, won a lot of games that very reasonably could have gone the other direction, and at the end of it all, you know, you flip a coin enough times, sooner or later you're going to hit a run of heads or a run of tails, and the coin came up, well, let's say the coin came up heads enough times that TCU rips off a 12-0 and regular season, and they go to the college football playoff, they end up playing for a national championship. I give them a lot of credit for that, tip my cap to Sonny Dykes, I don't think that is remotely replicable in 2023. That program is going to take a major step backwards, and they're going to regress the mean, and reality is going to hit them, and they'll probably still win more than enough games to go to a bowl, but TCU is, in 2023, exactly what they have been for most of their tenure in the big 12 which is a second tier team in the conference in my mind last year will not be repeated last year will not even be approximated it was an outstanding run for the horn frogs it was a memorable year that no one involved with that program will ever forget but it strikes me very much as a blip on the radar and a flash in the pan
0: i don't know i I, i'm kind of annoyed by tcu really
2: Why is yeah, that? I don't know what it
0: is. Uh, Gary Patterson, you know, all the perspiration, you know. And um, I, I think he's a little bit uh, a little bit crazy. And then, uh, I don't know, they just annoy me. Last year, headhunting quarterbacks, and I realize football is a tough game, but I still think the Jamoy Hodge hit on uh, Dylan Gabriel was dirty. Um, and I just, I don't know, they just annoy me now. They just do. Not as much as, like, Texas Tech, but I was never totally annoyed. Like, I remember way back when Jim Wacker was there and they started winning games So Kenneth Kenneth Davis and that group. And, you know, when they had, uh, you know, the Ginger, Andy Dalton, they went to the Rose Bowl. And back when they had and Tomlinson, all that stuff was kind of cool. Now they just annoy me. I don't know what it is. They just and Sonny Dykes. There's something about Sonny Dykes. He might be a great guy away from football, but he's too he, – that sour look he's got on his face at all times—I just, they just annoy me. I'm easily annoyed in my old age, and TCU annoys me a lot. So, and I don't know. How do you feel, by the way, still about that Friday matchup?
2: That Friday matchup? Uh, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's yeah, right. I forget. That's when they're playing TCU. Is Black Friday? I, it's it's kind of... Because it's an 11 a.m. kick, too, isn't it? Like 11 a.m. Yeah, on Black Friday? It's a,
0: it's a Black Friday rooster. That might be about as bad a rooster as you can get, in my opinion. That is
2: about as short of the end of the stick as you can get schedule-wise to have to play a football game on Black Friday. Man, I hate that. I hate that for all involved. It should be illegal. Playing game playing college football games at 11 a.m. on Black Friday should be illegal. But here we are. It kind of... like it feels like it kind of levels the playing field a little bit. Like, I, on a regular Saturday, I'd give Oklahoma a line of, I mean, right now, maybe like minus 10. Maybe that cuts it in half. Maybe it's minus. Like, o, OU will still be favored to win that football game, but trust me, if the season up until that point goes how I expect it to for OU and TCU, and then OU upends the Sooners in Norman – You know the narrative in the aftermath of that football game will be, man, 11 a.m. on Black Friday probably played into the way that that game went down.
0: All right, uh, let's take a break right here. My old uh, Lambda Chi uh, buddy, brother, is out here, Mark Wright. He just pulled up. He is uh, mesmerized by my regional radio stardom these days. He can't help himself. He's shaking his head. All right, uh, we are here at the Jimmy. We are supporting again at the – Sooner summer family tour here at the Jimmy. Ryan Miner and his family, former Sooner grade in basketball and baseball, battling stage four cancer, trying to help out with the medical funds for Ryan Miner. And if you want to donate, I have tweeted out the link at the very top of my uh, Twitter page, at Steely Sports, where you can easily out, donate and help out Ryan and his family. And we would appreciate that very, very much. Let's break right here. Josh Pate described a situation which Sooner fans would love to go through concerning OU versus Muleshoe, the battle of good and evil. And you know what side is good here. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. So uh, my buddy Mark Wright dropped by, old fraternity brother of mine, and he still he he says that he's very confident in Brent Venables. He's very mad as everybody is at Mule Shoe. He says that Mule Shoe was given the keys to the car. He wrecked the car. Now the car is in the body shop, and Brent Venables and his staff are working on rebuilding a luxury automobile. That's not bad, right? Muleshoe was given the keys to the Mercedes, and like a spoiled, rotten, rich kid who got something way too soon-er, what does he do? He wrecks the car. Mule Shoe walked away from Norman, and like one of those Hollywood actors, in slow motion, and there was a big fireball that exploded when he left. That's why, again, I hope the sailfish gets him in a non, well, I guess there's no such thing as a non-major artery. Right, doctors? But how about just a flesh wound, just a small one? That's painful, you know, like a limp for the rest of his life or something like that. Is that too much to ask? Is that too much, Parker? Is that bad thinking on my part?
2: You want him to limp for the rest of his life?
0: Well, just a little limp. Not super pronounced, you know. Not really.
2: Okay, I'll allow it.
0: But he got my, my, my fraternity brother came out here to say hello, and he got me all fired up talking about Lincoln Riley. And he was angry, it got me angry, and now I'm fired up again. Can't help myself. <sighs> I need a psychiatrist. Badly. Badly. All right. Uh, so this was Josh Pate on Late Kick, by the way, the other day. And he was taken. It was a Q and A session, and uh, I, I guess this came in from a Sooner fan. But the question was, how would Oklahoma fans feel if they won a college football playoff game before uh, Mew Riley? And here is what Josh Pate said that how that scenario might look if a Brent Venables coached Oklahoma team won a college football playoff game before uh, Mew Shoe did out at SC.
3: I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go with this. I know where Tate's going, and I know where Oklahoma fans would go. So first off, let's just address that. If Lincoln Riley ends up making the playoff again and losing or making it two years in a row and losing, and he messes around, and he lets Oklahoma, led by Brent Venables, get in that thing and win a playoff game before he does, they'd have to shut down Norman for a couple of days. I don't know how you handle the public school system there. I don't know how private business operates and I'm not here to tell you your business. I'm just saying it would be a big deal. For those folks, it would be a big deal. It would be like being cheated on and then you pull up to a red light and there she is waiting for the bus. That's exactly what it would be. No offense to bus riders. I've been one a time or two in my life. If you see the one who left you, in dire straits, and you see the one you're with helping helping you to thrive, it does a little something. It's a little pick-me-up to the soul. The more sinister in mind that you are, the more it would mean. As for me, I would sit here and go, all right, well, that means Oklahoma is off and running, and they're a good program, and Lincoln Riley and USC probably haven't fallen off in this scenario. It probably just means their defense still can't Stop molasses in December, and he hasn't made the proper changes to his staff. That's probably what that means.
0: There you go. There you go. Uh, depending on how sinister you are, we are very sinister. Very sinister. I think so. Uh, you know, what are the chances? You we talked about. Everybody would like to see Oklahoma play SC. With this schedule, if the Sooners improve, and I think they're going to, uh, you should win at least 10, I believe. I really believe that. Uh, and if they really get on a roll and they become the TCU of a year ago, and I'm not saying they're going to, but with that schedule and a boost of confidence, particularly if you win at the Cotton Bowl, that might just happen. And then you might get that matchup with SC. Which would be? Awesome. No doubt about it. By the way, Jim in Arlington, one of our biggest uh, fans out there of the ref, says, Boomer Doomer watchdog Parker Thune ready to pounce on Steely on sports when Mike says he likes the current O-line but does have some concerns for this O-line recruiting class. Really?
2: So Jim in Arlington is casting me in with the Boomer Doomers there. Oh, no. Do you agree? Oh, no, Steely. Steely. I don't know if I would categorize you as a boomer-doomer. You're a bit more rational than that. Admittedly, I have a, a a bit more optimism than most when it comes to the offensive line situation. And look, I, I, say, I say it all the time. One of the great things about this show and the KREF community is that we can have our disagreements and express them to one another and engage in discourse and keep it reasonably respectful most of the time. I appreciate that about our listeners so if you disagree with bill biedenboe's recruiting acumen and the state of his offensive line that is your prerogative i am not one to panic a listener in the 405 on the text line did say how about mule shoe gets stung by a jellyfish and someone has to pee on him to kill the pain
0: (laughs) oh i think we know who that would be right Who's always in the vicinity?
2: Do you say it so I don't have to? Nah, I'm not going to say it. We all know who you're thinking of. Oh yeah,
0: that's not a visual that I uh, like to think about. But <laughs> the jellyfish scenario is, yeah, maybe there you go. That's some brilliance right there on the Knippel Chevrolet tax line four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. I don't know. What do you think about the chances of OU and SC potentially meeting? in a playoff. I know it sounds crazy when you think back to six and seven of a year ago, but I don't know. What do you think? 10% chance of that? Maybe.
2: I think you have to be a one loss big 12 champion. And I think that's within the realm of possibility. I do like it. it, It's not a huge chance. I would say, yeah, 10%, 10% is fair. Um, but there's a world in which it happens as crazy as that sounds off a six and seven season, both because of the schedule, and because there is no clear favorite in the Big 12, if you can find a path to win this conference with only one loss and several paths exist, then, yes, you could be a playoff football team. Zane says, oh, uh, never mind. I'm not going to read this. I thought Zane was I, – I, I never mind. I thought this was a good text from Zane. Turns out it's one that uh, I can't read on the air. So, sorry, oh, no. Zane.
0: What was it?
2: Well, I'm not going to tell you what it was because that would defeat the purpose of not reading it on air.
0: <laughs> was he making fun of old people?
2: No, he was not making fun of old okay, people. Okay, good. There, there is a listener in the I went that says, okay, hands down, the jellyfish thing is the funniest Tebow put down I've heard. Well done. <laughs> it was pretty good.
0: It was definitely pretty good. I liked it. 405-651-3439. All right, I am out here at uh, the Jimmy The Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club Uh, have to visit the pro shop before I leave, of course, and uh, take the equipment home. But, uh, by the way, the pro shop out here is really awesome. They've got some cool hats. Just uh, really, if you're a golfer uh, and you've been in the vicinity, you know what the Jimmy Austin uh, pro shop is like. It's nice. So I'll probably go spend a little money there before I go home today. But we are here to support, at the Sooner Summer Family Reunion, Ryan Miner. Ryan, great sooner in basketball and baseball, Uh, Hammond, Oklahoma, and uh, just a great dude with a great family. And Ryan, not long ago, uh, got the diagnosis you don't want to get, and that is stage four colon cancer. They are fighting and battling with everything they have, but they need your help, if you can help, uh, to contribute to his medical fund. And on my Twitter page, I pin the tweet there at the top of the page, there is a place where even by not being here today, you can still get online and contribute and help them out if you can. Ryan and his family would appreciate that very much. So we got a lot of all kinds of people out here as former basketball and baseball teammates. We've got also those associated just with the OU basketball program: Tommy Tubbs, Anthony Bowie, Ryan Spangler, Nate Erdman uh out here you've got john onches former sooner assistant coach mike anderson great dude alex brown's out here of course his brother damon uh putting the whole thing together uh former baseball teammates like russ ortiz rich hills larry koshell who coached the sooners 94 championship team is out here skip johnson's out here kenny gajewski is out here Uh, i haven't seen kenny officially but he's on the list so i believe that kenny's out here remember kenny the uh Cowgirl softball coach, obviously at Oklahoma State. done a great job there. But uh, Kenny has sooner roots, working on the uh, field team at OU for a while. And uh, But Kenny is supposed to be out here, too, and I think that's super cool as well. So, again, if you want to help and contribute to the uh, Ryan Miner Medical Fund, do that. Again, I tweeted a link out on my Twitter page that is pinned at the very top, and we would appreciate that very much and certainly your prayers for Ryan and his family as well. Let's take a break right here. Mike Steele here at the Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club. Parker back at the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios. You guys, as usual, doing a tremendous job on the Myers Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Coming right back right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. We are back, Mike Steeley, here at the Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club Sooner Summer Family uh, Reunion, uh, supporting uh, Ryan Miner and his family battling uh, stage four colon cancer. Ryan has got that diagnosis not too long ago, and uh, they would uh, appreciate your help. If you can donate, uh, this was all organized, of course, by his brother Damon, both Ryan and Damon played on that uh, Larry Cochelle championship team back in the 90s. Ryan, Big 8 basketball player of the year in 1995. Great Sooner. Uh, and Sooners helping Sooners, as we're talking about today, uh, with uh, Ryan's medical fund. And I am seeing, you know, I, I on the GoFundMe page, I can see we've had a bunch of people who've donated here recently in the last uh, 30 minutes or so. Landa, Norman Tiger, I see you. I see you helping out there. Sooners helping Sooners there. I see it. Nice job. All right, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet Tax Line. I just got a uh, a text from somebody wants to me to answer a question, and you, of course. Who are the transfer portal guys? Maybe we should be talking more about. Everybody's talking about defense and Stogner. Give me a couple names you think we should be talking about as well. Um, Well, we're talking about, you know, Bothroyd, and we're talking about Trace Ford, and we're talking about Reggie Pearson Jr., Deshaun McCullough, a lot of guys on defense, uh, no doubt. And, uh, you know, people are intrigued to see Austin Stogner coming back to play for the Sooners after, uh, you know, playing for South Carolina a year ago. I'll give you two that I think maybe we should talk a little bit more about because everybody – wants to know what's going to happen with the wide receivers. Are they just going to have a bunch of guys out there that are all right, that are pretty good, but is anybody going to break out? Could it be Nick Anderson, perhaps? Uh, Jaden Gibson's got to be able to catch the football. But what about Andrew Anthony and Brennan Thompson, Parker? Those maybe are two other names we need to talk more about. Thompson, world-class speedster, Uh, Andrew Anthony you know the Michigan transfer what do you think about their potential impact
2: yeah I think both those guys certainly have the opportunity to have a big role in the offense because Thompson's the fastest player on your roster right now I don't think that's any particular secret and Andrew Anthony had a really really strong spring so both of those guys are poised to step in and contribute at the wide receiver position if they can build some individual momentum up the depth chart throughout the fall now Beyond that, I would look at your offensive linemen that you brought in, Caleb Schaefer and Walter Rouse, two guys that have the capacity to start. You know, it's not going to be handed to them because there are talented up-and-comers at both tackle and guard for Oklahoma. So it doesn't feel like you need to have Rouse or Schaefer. Like, if neither Rouse nor Schaefer doesn't crack your opening day starting lineup, I feel like there's almost – there's almost more optimism in that than there is an alarm because what it means is your next generation is coming along a lot faster than expected along the offensive line. But in Schaefer and Rouse, you got two guys that are multi-year FBS starters, all-conference performers, uh, players that can give you a viable, proven, reliable option. Along the offensive line. So those are two guys I would not lose sight of. And then I, I really don't think we talk enough about Trace Ford. Because Bothroyd, understandably and deservedly, is a guy that gets a lot of buzz for what he's accomplished in his collegiate career at Wake Forest to this point. But Trace Ford, if he is healthy, and I understand that's a big if. If he is healthy, he has the opportunity to be one of the most dominant edge rushers on the Oklahoma roster. And... I think he could, like, there's a world in which it's Trace Ford and R. Mason Thomas going at it for the sack lead in the 2023 season at Oklahoma. I think as of right now, those are probably the two guys that offer you the most upside off the edge in terms of pass rushing ability. Now, obviously, P.J. Atabari is the big unquantified variable, and if he pops off in fall camp, there's not a chance in the world they're keeping that guy off the field in September and October. But with their breadth of experience and the skills and multifaceted skill set that they bring to the table, I really like what both Trace Ford and R. Mason Thomas can provide in the pass rushing department for Oklahoma in 2023.
0: Okay, I got another one via Twitter, direct message, which is always interesting. Uh, Steely, who was the incredible freshman who came in, maybe in the same class as Marcus Dupree or around that time that had all that physical ability that didn't pan out on the defensive side of the football, question mark? Um, Are you talking about – I think you're – Talking about James Lee, uh, who was, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, somebody could help me out. There's probably a better historian out there than me. Uh, James Lee was, I think he was from Fort Worth, if I'm not mistaken, but he was a kid that I think they got him as a defensive end, and he had track star speed, basically, with a, an NFL kind of body. He was a freak. Absolute freak. If Marcus Dupree was a freak on the offensive side of the football in that class, and I think they were in the same class, or maybe Lee was a year after. But James Lee, I think, is the guy that uh, you're talking about. And I think it may have been an academic situation there, if I'm I'm remembering correctly. But somebody might be able to help me out on that. But I know that James Lee, when they got him, that kid was (laughs) – He was one of those physical freaks, no doubt. And I think that's who you're talking about, but I'm not 100% positive. All right, 405-651-3439 on the Canipa Maya Chevrolet text line.
2: To the text line we go. Big Rich in OKC says, yes, James Lee. Uh, So you have some confirmation there, some corroboration at the very least. Uh, Big Rich also adds, had him in music appreciation. So there you go. I guess maybe James Lee didn't appreciate music enough.
0: Maybe. I believe he was from Fort Worth, uh, Dunbar. I'm trying to – you know, my uh, dial-up internet brain's working on it right now. Beep, beep, pshh. You know, I just heard that, so I think we're connected now. But, um, yeah, he was a physical freak. And, again, I do think it was academics. But what Marcus Dupree was on the offensive side of the ball, that kid had that kind of ability – uh, to run and get after people. So, uh, Big Rich confirmed it. Thank you, Big Rich. I thought that's who uh, this guy was talking about. From a listener
2: right. in the 214, what is the starting linebacker group going to look like?
0: Well, you're looking at uh, Danny Stutzman, Jaron Cannon, don't you think? Uh, with Desan McCullough at Cheetah. Uh, and, look, Justin Harrington apparently has done very well there as well. So, I think you're going to see uh, – do we think that McCullough is going to be the opening day starter against Arkansas State at Cheetah?
2: Yeah, I would bet on that. I think that's the safest bet. And, I, you know, I get the Justin Harrington hype, but then again, like this is year four of Justin Harrington hype, and we haven't really seen it materialize on the football field in the fall. So I'm going to roll with on McCullough being your starting Cheetah.
0: Yeah, I think so. And uh, what are we thinking about the uh, linebackers? Stutzman, Kanick, obviously. Then what are we looking at beyond that? Who do you think gets the most snaps, depth wise?
2: Man, that's an interesting question because I don't like. There's really not a clear answer. Like Kobe McKenzie, perhaps. Uh, Connor Neer will certainly be in the mix, and I'm vi- like, I've said it before. and hopefully I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm very high on Sammy Omicigo and think he has the opportunity to make some instant noise on that depth chart. So I can see Omicigo playing quite a bit in year one at Oklahoma. I think the same could be said for Lewis Carter. The linebacker group right now, Steely, like when you truly take a step back and evaluate what Oklahoma has in the linebacker room and understand that, All of these guys have eligibility remaining, i.e. nobody is aging out after this season. It makes all the more sense why the Sooners are content to proceed with James Nesta as the only 2024 signee at linebacker if they strike out on Braden Platt. Because the depth is exceptional at that position, and the upside, the potential of that room is out of this world right now.
0: One more via text. Steely asked Parker, there's no way we lose that battle with Mule Shoe for Tatum,
2: right? I i mean, y- you would hope not. And at this point, I'm bullish on OU's chances to win that battle as things stand. But like, like, USC is USC. Mule Shoe is Mule Shoe. If they got to get shady to be able to pull this thing off at the 11th hour, they're going to make every effort to do so. But, no, I, I think all of the confidence across the industry, from really every single side, everybody that's covering the Taylor Tatum recruitment, nobody really doubts that OU has the upper hand on USC right now.
0: There he goes. We got a break. Make it a quote. USC is USC. Mule shoe is mule shoe. I like it. All right, break time right here. Coming back, one more segment before we get locked in at the top of the hour, 2 o'clock with Parker and Tyler McComas here at the Jimmy Sooner Summer Family Reunion, supporting uh, Ryan Miner today and his battle against cancer. If you can help out, donate to the GoFundMe. We would appreciate that very much. It's right at the top of my Twitter account, pinned right there. If you want to help out, we would appreciate it. Coming right back here on The Ref. We are back here at the Sooner Summer Family Reunion. Mike Steely out here raising uh, money for Ryan Miner's family and their battle right now. Ryan, stage four cancer diagnosis. We'd like to help them out with uh, their medical bills as much as we can as a Sooner family. And I pinned the uh, GoFundMe location uh, and that link at the top of my Twitter page, at Steely on Sports, if you would uh, like to contribute. Riverwind Casino, nearly 3,000 electronic games, the very best assortment of games, brand new gaming floor, the renovation looks unbelievable. It is real, and it is spectacular. They have the best uh, table games as well, all your favorites there. World-class poker room, big-time hotel, great service. I mean, they have everything and great entertainment. Beats and Bites, we had a great show last Saturday night, of course, with uh, Mark Chestnut as the headliner and uh, Shannon Dole and Tracy Bird as well. Great, great last Saturday night with a big time fireworks display afterwards. Everybody had a great time out there. One more Beats and Bites show, August 26th. The music of Gary Allen on the Coupe Works Beats and Bites stage. You can get your tickets to the Beats and Bites shows for only 10 bucks. Kids under 12 get in free. Get them online at Riverwind.com or at the casino box office. And new shows at the Showplace Theater. You know, we have Collective Soul coming up July 21st. Josh Turner, July 28th. Uh, shows that still have tickets available, Counting Krogs, August 25th, Foreigner, Rodney Carrington, those shows are now sold out, Aaron Lewis, and tickets are available. But new shows were announced again on Monday, and tickets are on sale for uh, these shows at the Showplace, Joe Nichols and Tyler Farr, September 22nd, uh, Flatland Cavalry, November 10th, we have Lee Bryce coming to the Showplace Theater December 15th, and Boys to Men, January 12th. All those acts also coming to the Showplace Theater with tickets available at Riverwind.com. And they're in the casino at the Showplace Theater box office. Our man Colin doing a great job putting all the musical acts together for Beats and Bites and for all the shows at the Showplace Theater. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. From Twitter, Steely, of the early enrollees, how would you rank who the top contributors would be? Well, when you say early enrollees, I'm thinking about the the kids who came in, the freshmen that were available in the spring. Uh, you didn't say portal, so I'm going. Uh, let's go, Parker, see if you agree. Let's go, Peyton Bowen, one. Uh, Jaquaze Petaway or Josiah Wagner, two, three. Maybe P.J. Adebore, Four. Maybe, what, Macari Vickers, five? Caleb Hicks, five? I, what are you thinking?
2: I think, to me, unequivocally, Peyton Bowen is number one. And okay. I say that as the president and founding member of the P.J. Atabari fan club. But there's yes. no denying that Peyton Bowen is the most college-ready freshman on the roster at Oklahoma. Who's two? Two is P.J. Again, not a question in my mind. Okay. Those two are one and two, without a doubt. I would put Pet Pettaway at three. And to round out my top five, I would go with those two linebackers, Omisigo and Carter. And you can—they're virtually interchangeable at four and okay. five. Take your yeah,
0: pick. Yeah, I was thinking about early enrollees.
2: Oh, um, okay, okay, okay. Where yeah, going to early that's enrollees? why
0: I went with—I went with uh, Bowen one, Petaway two. Well, Petaway Wagner. wasn't an
2: early enrollee either, though. So we got to take him. Oh, that's off right. The board. Why did I? I thought he was okay. Um, Bowen, PJ, Josiah Wagner. Wagner Caden Green Dickers? and Vickers at five.
0: Okay. Uh, who else would be Kendall Dolby was uh, early enrollee, right? Obviously Jackson Arnold. Uh, you mentioned Caden Green. You had Caleb Hicks in uh, Hollywood Smothers. Derek LeBlanc, who's gone. Uh, Champ Sanders came in early. Eric McCarty came in early, right? Phil Pichotti.
2: Phil Pichotti, yeah. Um, Todd so, Bates' nemesis on the text line says, "I'd bet a thousand bucks. Wagner makes zero impact. Would you actually hmm. bet a thousand bucks, Todd Bates' nemesis? Like, is that a legitimate offer to bet a thousand dollars?
0: What do you consider zero impact? Like, n- no plays
2: at all? Like."
0: Yeah, no exactly. tackles, no picks, or...
2: Tell me whether I mean, you're serious and tell me what your definition of zero it, impact is.
0: Does he have to be an all-conference guy, or is that, you know... I don't know. It's interesting, but he has been uh, talked about quite a bit by that coaching staff. And he's he's got a lot of dog in him, from what I hear, for a kid that size. So he, he's not, you know, super sized like every meal I get at McDonald's. But apparently, he... He's a hitter and likes the contact, and they've been impressed so far. So we'll see. But, again, you got to go out and do it on Saturdays in the real thing. But so far, apparently, they like Josiah Wagner quite a bit since he's been here. Um, who was – somebody was asking about slept on players from the portal – and I I don't know if they've they're slept on, but we talked about Andrew Anthony and maybe Brennan Thompson needing to be talked about a little bit because it's going to be fascinating. Is that the most fascinating group to watch as the practice gets underway and we go into the season? The wide receivers, who's really going to emerge? Now we know that uh, you know clearly uh, who we think are going to be one and two, right? But. Can somebody really be a, a couple guys truly break out? We'll see. We'll see what's going to happen there. Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops, certainly uh, the one, two guys we're talking about. But will there be a couple other stars or really good receivers emerge from that group? That will be interesting to see how it plays out. want to thank everybody here at the Jimmy for accommodating us. Thank you to Porter Moser for stopping by. Thanks to our friends at Riverwind and to Dr. Bellardo and to you guys and ladies out there. Locked in is coming up next on the ref.